0: Literally the day before graduation, I was actually in, in in a really bad car car accident where the car flipped, rolled down the hill, all of that, and uh, it was it it was, it was really crazy. Just because I remember when I opened my eyes as the car uh, you know was turning, um, finished turning, uh, I just remember thinking like, dang. When I opened my eyes, I hope I don't see something that I don't want to see because I was yeah. with my roommates and things of that nature. And as soon as I opened my eyes, my phone was there, right in front of my face, and. A uh, notification came through. It was my mom, and she said, "I just, I just got here," and so in my mind it was like, "There's no way I'm not getting out of this car." Yeah. Like she just got here, she's seeing me walk that stage, and so like I ended up kicking out the windows of that car, ended up you know helping my roommates get out. Luckily, with the grace of God, and I mean I got some angels watching over me. I there was not a scratch or anything on me. Um, a few other people that had like broken bones and things of that, that nature, but like.
1: Let's go. We're live. Another episode of Adversity Kings. Special guest today. We've got Brylon.
0: Brylon, Yeah, you pronounced
1: it right. Awesome. What's the last name? Donaldson, man. Brylon Donaldson. Awesome, brother. So where are you from?
0: I'm originally from uh, Wichita, Kansas, man. But uh, currently right now I live out in Atlanta. Okay. And then summers in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So I split summers uh, in Chicago. I'm actually probably going to be moving to Chicago here within the next year. But my girl lives up here. Okay. And then how old are you? Yeah, I'm actually uh, I just turned 27. Just turned 27? Okay, yeah.
1: Cool. And then, so where did you go to like school and everything?
0: Yeah, so like I said, I'm originally uh, from Wichita, uh, Kansas. Um, was a football star there. Ended up going on to play Division one football at the University of Kansas. Um, so I Are they the Jayhawks? Yeah, yeah. I was okay. a Jayhawker. So I was actually in the same class of like Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid. Like, okay. It was actually really crazy having those guys actually come over to the yeah. apartment. We play 2K and all that. But i ended up playing football for about two years you know had that realization like hey i'm not going to the nfl and that was never really my goal and yeah. so after that i ended up uh you know diving into this tech thing um did a startup week uh ended up trying to create a digital bank dropped out for a year um and then you know had all these conversations with a lot of these you know big banks et cetera, because i learned the whole back end of you know what digital banking actually meant Um, but once I returned back to KU, uh, I ended up completing my studies in neuroscience and also data science. And so
1: back into the sports, what got you into football?
0: Yeah, what got me into football? I'll never forget it, man. So, uh, yeah, I, was, I wasn't the best, you know, behaved kid kind of growing up. So yeah. I'm actually uh, the oldest of uh, six kids. And okay. so, yeah, it was just my mom uh, raising us. And, you know, she just wanted to, you know, find an activity to get me in uh, to kind of keep me out the streets. And at that time, um, it, it, it definitely turns out to be a privilege in, in hindsight because my mom could only afford to put me into it. And so from a young age, and I'll never forget the conversation uh, that I had with my Little League football coach, um, he just, he just instilled this utmost confidence and belief in me that, like, hey, if you really want to do this thing, you can use this as a vehicle. So I always thought as football as a vehicle to, yeah. you know, like, whatever I wanted to do in life rather than, like, the end all be all.
1: When did you start taking
0: it serious? Yeah, so I started taking it serious. I'd probably say – um probably around like fifth grade so it was around fifth grade like at least in the city of Wichita when uh the football coaches were no longer on like the actual playing field with you yeah. so like from second to fourth grade or whatever the the coaches would be out there you know guiding you etc making you good but I'll never forget there was a practice um when coach Randall uh he had asked a question like how many of y'all believe that y'all want to play uh, division one football and you know I'm My football team, there's probably about 40 of us or whatever, and it was all-black football team, et cetera. But I was the only one that raised my hand. And it wasn't like I was the only one that watched college football and things of that nature, but it was just this utmost belief of, like, yeah, you know, like I'm watching Adrian Peterson and, you know, things of that nature. I'm like, I think I can compete with those guys. And so uh, ended up just taking it serious from there. And then I think, uh, you know, what actually um, turned that into something where it was like, oh, I can actually do this was – I just started getting involved in different uh, like camps outside of Wichita because Wichita, yes, you know, um, Barry Sanders has come from Wichita and a a few other like, you know, big football players and things of that nature. Um, But you actually have to travel out of the city to, you know, get get recognized. And it was when I started to go to Oklahoma, and I started to go to Texas and compete with those kids. And I played cornerback um, and I was starting to get, you know, some recognition just when I was in little league. It was like, oh, shoot, I might be able to do this thing. And so what was growing up for you like? Yeah, what was growing up for me like, man? Um, Like I said, uh, I wasn't the most well-behaved kid. And so um, the first time I actually ended up like going to juvie uh, probably was either in like the third or fourth fourth grade. Um, And it was just it was honestly just because i was bored in class yeah um and i would always get myself in like you know to a lot of trouble especially outside of school with my cousins um and i think you know just kind of looking back on it it was a blessing that at the time my grandfather he was uh, a police captain yeah and so a lot of the you know i saw a lot of my friends you know who would get in trouble with me they didn't have my grandfather who could get them out of trouble yeah so they went down different paths yeah so that's always something that like I'm super like uh, you know uh super grateful for but even going into like you know middle school and things of that nature I got expelled in the 6th grade yeah. um and in didn't get to complete like the second half of you know the second semester of 6th grade and what was crazy about that was um I'll never forget that scenario I actually ended up getting expelled over because they said uh yeah that I was going to blow up the school that's what yeah. they that's what they had said kicked me out and I'll never forget it like uh, I ended up running to this teacher's classroom, and uh, she was she was the only black teacher at the uh, at the school at the time. And I went in there, and uh, she hid me. And all these principals heard, all these cops coming, and she was like, "Hey, you need to leave because like." they're coming for you. And I'll never forget, like I was running through this neighborhood, had all these cops chase me, police helicopter was, you know, flying over. I actually didn't want to call my mom. Cause I was like, my mom's going to end up just calling my grandpa. Who's just, you know, works for the police. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, let me call my dad. Cause I was like, my dad is actually going to understand me. My dad ended up meeting me at a gas station and I ended up running, you know, like to the gas station or whatever. Um, but I ended up, you know, I, I could have failed, but the yeah. thing about it was I, 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 I ended up passing all the state test scores and all that. But the crazy thing about that story was, you know, flash forward to now I'm in college and, you know, the PE teacher who uh, actually, you know, was the one that said uh, I was uh, going to blow up the school. I actually ended up running into him uh, one day on campus and he ended up apologizing and was like, yeah, like I did that intentionally to like derail you. But to see that you prevailed and you're still here. Never forget his name. His name was Mr. Shepis he was like Jesus. that's a testament to like you know your resiliency and like persistence and yeah. so yeah a lot of growing up was like a lot of those like just you know little moments of almost i could have went into a whole different path but there were di- there were people along my life that helped push me in, in into different directions and like another one i want to give a lot of credit to is his name was mr cotton so you know going into you know freshman year football things of that nature mr cotton uh he was the vice principal at the time um at my high school northwest high school and he used to be a uh he he used to coach uh defensive backs over at the university of texas and then he had moved to kansas and coach high school football things of that nature and he was like hey i see a lot in you and he was like you know i know your family doesn't have the resources and things of that nature but like i'll take you in you know whatever and so literally when i tell tell you this dude gave me all the resources all the way to like He paid for all my travel to go state to state like we were going literally Illinois. I came here to compete. I went to Florida to compete and all that, like just to get on college radars and things of that nature. And he took care of all that. And like, yeah, like things could have went a lot differently. And I'm just thinking like some of those friends that I had just kind of growing up, we did the same things. The only difference is I had different angels at different points in my life that, you know, were there at the right at the right place at the right time that just helped continue to propel me forward.
1: So as you begin to work towards graduation, when did you start getting like scouted?
0: And yeah, so I actually started getting scouted like going into um, uh, going into my freshman year of high school football. Um, and so uh, locally, I was already being scouted by like KU and Kansas State and things of that nature. But it wasn't until I started going to like the Nike football camps and things of that nature. Uh, I also was uh, went to the uh, Uh, the U.S. Army All-American Combine. Um, I was actually potentially going to be like nominated. And the crazy thing about that was, you know, I was all city, all state, all that, you know, going into like my junior year and things of that nature. And I had all these schools uh, looking at me, but I didn't play senior year high school uh, football. Like I actually broke my, I actually broke my leg. And the crazy thing about that was all those schools who were looking at me at that time um, literally stopped looking at me. And the day, the day after, you know, I broke my leg, I was, I was actually supposed to be going to Stanford for their football camp. I was then going to go be going to USC and then Oregon. I was doing a whole West Coast kind of thing. Uh, and I ended up not going, never heard back from those coaches after I told them, you know, I wasn't going to be able to attend, things of that nature. And KU was the only one that stayed in contact. And so that's why it was like, at the end of the day, it was like, oh, I'm going to go be a Jayhawk because it felt like it was the only opportunity left. Um, you know, given the circumstances at the time,
1: what was some of your
0: like favorite football memories from from high school? Like, yeah, some of my favorite football memories. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I would never forget. So we, my football team, we were always good. We were always like top three uh, in the in the in the state. Um, and and the thing about K, like Kansas football um, is the top teams usually are nationally ranked as well like there's bishop carroll that's in wichita um derby as well which is a suburb of like wichita like those are the teams we're going against and competing with like they've had multiple people on their on their teams that have gone on to play in like the nfl like blake Bell, he plays for the kansas city chiefs and things of that nature um and so my top memories were always going against them like that's when you attracted the most biggest crowds and honestly they were the most crucial moments um and i'll never forget um When we were playing derby derby football man and it's a top memory just because it was it was very competitive but uh this was to go to state go to go to the state championship football game and um his name was deandre Goolsby, man he was one of the top prospects in the country uh he actually ended up going on to to florida and it was just a big matchup between me and him and i'm not that big of a guy I'm a technician, and I had speed. Uh, and the fact that, you know, I was able to show up in that game and really, like, hey, like, hold, hold my own, that was a big moment. We ended up losing that game because he ended up making a one-handed catch at the end of the game yeah. over our safety. Uh, but that moment really, really, really sticks with me. And I think another moment that really sticks with me, too, is, like I said, so um, senior year, I didn't, play, I didn't play the whole season. I played one game just because I was like, hey, I really want my team we started we started that that year number one in state we're like my team was stacked we were supposed to win state um but a lot of us ended up getting hurt and uh we actually needed to win one game to go to like the playoffs and so i ended up playing that game or whatever uh and and that was the only game that i played but i ended up getting like a pick six that ended up turning you know the tide for us to win the game and then you know be in the state playoffs and so there, those were some of my moments, and then on top of that, I think just kind of going to those camps where, you know, I ended up competing with a lot of the guys, like, you know, that ended up going to the NFL, um, such as, like, I competed against Ray Lewis's son. I competed against— uh, Ray uh, Lewis'
1: son is in the NFL?
0: Nah, so he, he ended up not going to the NFL. He ended up playing uh, at— um, uh, uh, the University of Miami as well. He was a running back. Okay. He, w- he wasn't bad. And then, like, Corey Robinson, who was David Robinson's, uh, uh, the, uh, the basketball player's son. Yeah. Uh, he was a star receiver at Notre Dame. And then uh, the Fueller, the Fueller brothers who who, who played cornerback over at uh, uh, Virginia Tech. I also went against Stefan Diggs and things of that nature. He was the truth. <laughs> who, who's the best person you ever played against? The best player I've ever played against? Um Woo! If 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 I'm a, if I'm going to be honest with you, so I would ha- I would almost have to take it back to college, and I'll never forget, man. Uh, I would have to say Tyreek Kill. So uh, Tyree Kill yeah. was at Oklahoma State, man, and the KU was playing Oklahoma State. We were up. There was probably maybe maybe a minute left in the game, and this was at the time where we had co- Coach uh, Charlie Weiss, um, you know, as 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 a coach. And um, I'll never forget it, man. I'm over here like, hey, don't kick this man the ball. Like, don't – because you can just tell certain people's, like, instincts where you're like, nah, we ain't kick this man the ball. We ain't put the, the ball in this dude's hand all game. Don't do it. And we got arrogant, and we kicked it to him. And when I tell you, that man is fast. Like, it's a, it's one thing to watch it on TV because he really is that fast, but, like, to experience it, I remember being on, uh, being on a kickoff team – and just seeing the gap open and I swear he just ran and it was like woo you're not catching him but he was a, he was a big time playmaker he was yeah. I, I was I was very impressed like he just knew like if the ball got in his hands he was going to make a difference do you think speed is just like you're just naturally born with a speed like that man that, i i think that kind of speed yes i do i do think obviously you can train and you know, like improve techniques to you know make your running a little bit more efficient or whatever but like that speed no that was god yeah that was that was that was, yeah he was what was your best 40 yeah my best 40 man i ended up um yeah i believe the fastest 40 i ever ran was four it was four or five. Four or five. yeah and that was electric
1: isn't it crazy to see sometimes some of these linemen do like low <laughs> like like just get in the fours yeah any yeah. bigger dude just getting in the fours well they
0: built different now like and it's actually really really uh really really interesting especially like living in in georgia um a lot of my friends out there they went to school with you know a lot of dudes they either went to like Bama or yeah. you know georgia them dudes is 300 pounds running themselves you know what i mean yeah. like it's yeah it's 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 a different world out there and i was part of it. it was like you know me accepting that reality i'm i'm not looking to go to the nfl
1: yeah dude. yeah
0: that's insane it's a lot what about
1: just some of your favorite memories just growing up in general Yes. All the way up
0: to graduating. Yeah. Some of my favorite memories just kind of growing up in general. Um, I would just say, uh, man, one, one of my favorite memories was just like, I'll never forget uh, when I went on a cruise with, with my grandfather. Yeah. Um, and the reason why that was a uh, one of my favorite memories was a lot of my siblings – they're just now starting to you know travel outside of the state of Kansas and be able to see the world yeah but my grandpa took me to see the world and because he took me to see the world I always had a different perspective and knew that like outside of Wichita Kansas like there was more to this like outside of what I was seeing in my environment there was more to aspire you know to, to to be but also like to create in the world and I think that drove a lot of my passion around like one when it comes to like entrepreneurship and things of that nature but just like personal growth and then I think some of my other memories as well was um just in college being around a a, you know a a a different group of people a different group of friends and the the crazy thing about it was my mom did not know where I was going to school like she didn't even think I was going to school it wasn't until the morning I had to you know move up to KU to start like you know summer ball and things of that nature I literally woke her up at like 6 a.m was like hey I'm moving to KU. She was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, you got to take me. I'm, I'm already packed up." But KU was so pivotal just because when we go on those new, like fall break trips or spring break trips, things of that nature, um some of my some of me and my friends, we would go to like Colorado and things of that nature. And they would get me into like rock climbing and things of that. You know what I mean? And it yeah, I don't a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends from back home, they weren't doing that. yeah And it was this idea of just like taking risk and not being afraid of it. You know what I mean? And just kind of like Trusting yourself because when you, when you're rock climbing, like it ain't it ain't it ain't one of those things. Like, and I'm not talking about like in a gym. I'm talking about like real rock climbing. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's very strenuous, and it takes a different level of mental toughness. And so that was something that like I've always appreciated. Think like experiences that help like help me like rethink like who Brylin can become. And and to and to kind of add like
1: add to that, what about like on a more I don't know expanded version of like yeah what you were fond of do you think a lot of it kind of just went back into spending time with family and friends or yeah. was it just kind of you like was there was there other things you like to do more of like a, on an individual basis
0: yeah honestly not I, yeah um just kind of growing up my, my big thing was like just playing video games yeah but the thing about it too was like what games I was always into the sports games, man. Um, and part of the reason why I was like I'm I'm really good at Madden. I, yeah. I'm like a self-proclaimed like nobody can beat me in Madden. Yeah. What your then, team, bro? I'm a Patriots fan. Yeah. I, like Do I'll you never... watch
1: Man in the Arena.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just finishing it up. I got like half hour left. Got you. So yeah, like nah. The first time I ever watched football was actually when um, Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady came in and never came out. Wow. And so that was just a pivotal moment for me, but. Uh, kind of growing up, I literally was always attached to like either college football or Madden, and I uh, I would always use those games to like mentally like prepare for like real life. Remember the NCAA? Correct.
1: Games? Weren't they crazy, bro?
0: Correct they've been
1: gone for how long now
0: they've been gone i actually had the last one 2013 2013 2013
1: damn so almost 10 years yeah that was d- probably one of the best games i love playing with the mascots
0: yeah 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 now i uh what was it the one where you got to create your player go through the high school yeah we, i love yeah, that i love what I that love too doing, man Did you ever watch uh leonard Fournette in high school bro i did i did nuts yeah, no, he was uh, he was actually one of my uh one of my one of my favorite players just because of like his mentality. Just like, yeah, like I'll never forget first day of practice at KU. We had this uh, running back. This dude was like six two two thirty two thirty something. And I knew they had threw me out there to see like, OK, I'm not that big of a guy. Like, can he really hold his own? And I'll never forget this big dude. He tried to like juke me. When in my with my mentality, I'm like, if I see somebody my stature, I'm running through you at that size. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's why I appreciate like Leonard Fournette. But uh, also, you know, thinking of number seven and also LSU, my favorite player of all time, just from like a football standpoint, is Tyron Matthew. What he did at LSU, immaculate. And I'm like really surprised he didn't end end up going on to like win the Heisman. Yeah, because he made such a big difference. So that's your favorite player of all time? Favorite player of all time. Like go watch his go watch his freshman year tape. Where's he play right now? So he's with the Saints now. And what what positions he play? Uh, they got him playing a hybrid position, but it's like safety. Okay. Yeah, and he was like with lock- the Chiefs.
1: Is he like a lockdown player still?
0: He's a lockdown player, but he's a playmaker and he's a defender. Like, and the thing about it was when he was playing cornerback for LSU he actually was he led the he led the country in forced fumbles wow as a corner and he led the country in defensive touchdowns like this dude this dude's knack for the ball wasn't like i'm just going to take the ball from you he was like i'm getting it i'm scoring like yeah. one of his most pivotal moments was when lsu they ended up going on to win the championship but they were playing georgia uh in the sec championship and once again, similar to what happened to you know us and Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill, they kicked it to Tyron Matthew, and he made a play, ended up running it back, you know, punt return, and it, that ended up changing the game. But I always appreciated, like, one, he, he's not that big of a guy. We're, we're we're pretty much almost the same size. He has a little bit more weight. But it was just that knack of, like, I'm a baller. Yeah. And he walked around with that swagger. So, and then when did you – where did he play high school ball? Uh, I believe he went to St. Augustine in New Orleans. Okay, so he's, yeah, he's a Louisiana cat. Yeah, he's a Louisiana cat.
1: Wow. And then, I guess, even veering off there a little bit, who was uh, who were you closest to growing up?
0: Yeah, I was, I, was, I was closest to my cousins, man. And so, like, my uh, my cousins, uh, Zach, Prentice, um, Marquise, like, we all literally. Um, so, I spent most of the, like, during the week with my mom and my siblings. But then, on the weekend, I would go to my stepmom's uh, house. Um, and, like, my father was in prison, like, most of my life, uh but, you know, I still would go over there and spend a lot of time with her. Her name is Pat. But we would literally all just sleep on the floor floor together. And we were all, like, so dedicated to, like, using football as that vehicle. And so, like, it was just easy for us to just get up, go across the street to the, you know, to the football field. We would do our own little drills and things of that nature. Uh, and then in terms of, like, the, 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 the illegal activities and things that we did, uh, you know, of that nature, it was – really just to, with the thought process of, like, we were training. Yeah. So, like, when we would go, like, TP houses or, like, egg, egging or, say, for example, there were sometimes we did, like, steel stuff. It was always with, like, this is our speed training. Yeah. And we never got caught. Hopefully we don't get caught now. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. I can so, relate to that a little bit. So I guess as you went into college. Yep. Well, one, how, was it hard to get into college with having, like, a little bit of a record and everything
0: yeah so i didn't have a record that no, was the thing i never documented yeah 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 i never got caught i never got caught and then on top of that like i said when i did get in trouble and go to juvie and things of that nature I had my grandfather who's the captain of the police force oh uh, okay yeah okay
1: and then it was obviously it made sense to go to ku yeah then how was the whole college experience
0: yeah so i actually ended up uh i mean so the other thing about me as well was um i was yeah i was part of the gifted program in wichita and so I scored a 32 on my ACT. Um, I could have literally went to, like, outside of just going to KU for football, I could have went to any other school for, like, just school. Um, and so when I got to KU, KU's football program wasn't, like, the best, although, like, I'm very grateful for, like, some of the players that I played with. Just the mentality wasn't what I was used used to. I came from a winning football program. Now I was in, a, you know, a losing football program. And how you operate and do things within that, it was just it was just abnormal to me. Um, and so there were a lot of times, especially early on where I wanted to transfer and, you know, once again, thinking like, I don't want to, uh, essentially, you know, go to the NFL, like what, what, what other options are out there. And so I did consider like transferring like multiple times, but I think just through the relationships that, you know, I was able to build with, uh, some friends there, but also, um, a, p- a, pivotal mentor relationship that I ended up building, It just changed my perspective and it was like you know see this through because it will be a valuable experience so when did you take a year
1: off of college
0: yeah so i I took a year off of college after my sophomore year okay yeah
1: and then for that year what did you do
0: yeah uh i i was building a digital bank
1: so what was the idea behind that
0: yeah so i you know just kind of being a college student and not having much money um and things of that nature uh i was i was a nerd and so I was I was reading up on like how the banking system works, like how, you know, so uh, did you
1: do a lot of reading growing up? Like, were you nerdy always growing up? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I was all, I was I've always been kind of that way. But uh, reading was, or like, yeah, reading, just research and just overall being curious. But it wasn't something I really started to lean into until like Mr. Cotton, he pulled me to the side and was like, hey, it's OK to be cool and be smart. Yeah. Because before I was just getting getting in trouble. Mr. Collins was like, nah, it's cool. It's it's cool to be, you know, smart. And so that was my thing. It was like, bet. I know what makes me different is I can ball. Yeah. Like, and I'm smart. And so, um, yeah, when I got to college, I had just read up on like all i was just curious about like hey how is chime like banking working and things of that nature like there was another one at the time uh called like simple banking and what i realized was it was you know a bunch of software guys building you know the banking kind of you know uh user interface and then they were forming partnerships with these established banks and using that as like their banking back end yeah and i was like why can't i do that because i was like i know how to build software i know how to design software like I want to go do that and so i ended up doing a, a startup competition we ended up winning and the whole idea was um i thought there was an opportunity to take the interchange fees which are basically just the money that banks make every time you uh swipe your debit card yeah and the you credit know, card processing correct like and i wanted to you know have a kickback to drive up savings and so I was actually talking to like google about investing all that they were like you need to get the bank partner and things of that nature so literally i'm cold calling and somehow getting interviews and all that with like vps and all that these big banks like bank of america etc and it wasn't until like a year later after everybody was like what do you know about banking like i don't know much but i know how to build software man and i think it's a good idea um and and eventually i was like you know what like this ain't going nowhere let me go back to school and so You're
1: building the bank. Yep. And to yourself, like, were you thinking, like, anything outside of, like, hey, look, all I know is, like, I can do some software. Is that just coding? Is that what that means? I can build something? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I I like to think of it as a multitude of things. Like, so... Traditionally, when people think of tech, they think of just like the engineering and like the coding. But it, it's it's multifaceted because you have to have someone that can design a user interface. Then you have to have somebody who can think through like the different steps. So like a user a user experience researcher. Then like, as you know, just having a business, it's not going to sell itself. Yeah. So you need people who can market and sell the product. And so for me, um, going back to what I was saying about that pivotal you know mentor that I ended up meeting, her name is Beth McClendon. And so she's actually... Uh, married to Brian McClendon, and so her husband was the creator of Keyhole. Keyhole ended up getting bought by Google for billions of dollars, and and ended up turning into Google Earth and Google Maps. And so she was actually uh, the first product management hire um, for for Netscape, which was the first internet browser. And she ended up uh, going on to be like one of the first employees um, for 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 YouTube and Android and all that stuff, and holds all these patents. And so they know the game. And so uh, when when I had met her. She had she just how'd had sti- you meet her bro? I was. So after after I quit football, I was uh, serving at a hotel on campus um, and I would wake up every morning, 5 a.m. have to be there. And I did that consistently. And you uh, they lived on top of uh, on top of the hotel in their penthouse. And so she would come down every morning at 6 a.m., order the same thing, read her news, etc. And she just pulled me to the side and said, like, you are consistent. You are here every day. What do you want to do? and i told her i was like i want to build something like this is what i'm trying to do i'm trying to get to silicon valley you know because i read about it or whatever and she was like bet we can make this happen and she what she told me was she was like do enough do it do enough to pass your classes but build and i was like okay and so literally after i heard that um that's when i went on to try to build a digital bank but even when i came back after that it was still with that mind mindset of like okay if i do want to go work in the in, in the valley What's going to separate me is not like my school yeah but what is going to separate me is the fact that like hey this kid has tried one to build a bank he's tried to build all these other things you know things of that nature and i actually have the experience rather rather than just like the theoretical knowledge and so literally once i came back after you know dropping out for that year i would literally just go take the test i always ace the test like every single class O kim everything and i would always set the curve and I would never go 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 to the class. I would never do none of the homework, and I passed with barely just to get a D every time. And I would spend all my time in the computer lab, and uh, it was called it was called Budic. And at the end, of, uh, at the bottom of Budic they had the small computer lab where they had like these Mac computers, et cetera. And that's where I taught myself, you know, like data science. Um, I also taught myself like design, the whole shebang. Because in my head, it was like, let me just explore right now before I exploit. And it, it was this idea of just like. Be curious about all these different areas because your time is going to come when, you know, you have this good network and then you can just exploit the one thing that you're really good at. And so, yeah.
1: Was it tough for you to make the decision to quit football, to
0: transition? Nah, 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 nah. It it, it, it wasn't it wasn't uh at all just because it going back to one of the conversations I even had with Beth was she challenged me to think like she was like, what role do you want to play? like thinking of thinking of the game of sports and things like that. She was like, "Do you want to be a player or do you want to be a coach?" And I'm like, "You know, I'm already a player. I think I want to be a coach." And she was like, "Why don't you want to be the owner?" And I was like, "That's in, that's intriguing." Like you like, "Oh, to be the owner." And she was like, "Why don't you want to be the creator?" Because she was like, "The people who create the game, create the rules that then the owner have to abide by and then the coach." And I was like, "Okay." And so from that day on it was it was super easy. It was like being in this position, I, I'm not going to be a creator, or I'm, and I'm not going to be an owner. Yeah. And so that's what I've always been trying to strive for, and like the path that I've taken, literally since I've heard that first comment of, okay, let's build a digital bank drop. I'll do that. That didn't work. That led to like internships in you know Silicon Valley. Cool. There, I was able to learn about like you know, tech companies that were, uh, I would say in like the middle face. So I, I was at like Bleacher Report right before Bleacher Report got bought um, by Turner. And so that was very, very intriguing. It, but it also led to like other formative experiences such as like when I did graduate, it opened doors to go work at a startup in LA. They were serious A, eh? so I got to see, like, what does it look like to take an idea from nothing to something. And then after that, I was at the pay overtime company firm with Max, Max Lefchkin right before Affirm IPO'd. And so I got to see this, the whole cycle of going from just an idea to going to, like, a company, having a company on the stock market. And it's just in the span of three, three four years. So as you're going back for your, your to finish
1: school, You're building at the same time, like when you were finishing school. Yeah, and were you still working on the digital bank, or what were you working? No, 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 no. So I had,
0: so I had, uh, so I had gave up the digital bank idea, and at this time, I was more just working on, I was more just working on like more personal kind of projects. Yeah, it was more of just like what problems do I have, and like what do like how can I build solutions that like solve them. What was your favorite one? Yeah, my favorite one was. yeah just still in that realm of like finance i knew i was horrible at budgeting and i knew a lot of what uh when it came to budgeting the reason why i was bad about it was like my decision making specifically i didn't understand opportunity cost and so it was this idea of like you know just getting a simple notification of you know okay this app understands that like Brylin just went to the grocery store and, you know, Brylin, Brylin bought food because it was able to understand the data from my receipts and things of that nature. So now whenever I was in the neighborhood of like, you know, a I in I'm by a Chinese restaurant. I would get a ping of like, hey, you have food at home. Are you sure you want to do this because it's going to cost you this? And that just that little, you know, ping of like, oh, shoot, I actually did just go buy some groceries. I don't need to spend this twenty dollars actually ended up helping me save more money over time. And so that was one of my favorite projects that's dope that's dope so now as you wrap up the two years you
1: said neuroscience yeah 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 i'm studying neuroscience yeah so you have a bachelor's degree in neuroscience uh
0: neuroscience and data science and data science yeah uh so what was that like uh it was it was intriguing man um and i think uh what i really enjoyed about it is now just kind of being in the realm of business um It just provides me different mental models on how to look at different problems and just kind of look at the space uh and i think especially just kind of building software um it helps me just keep in mind that like i'm building for people and understanding people like psychologically and things of that nature like originally kind of going into college my goal was to be uh you know a neurosurgeon because my grandmother she passed away from alzheimer's Wow. um but my pap yeah like over time that just, the goal changed just because I saw technology could be, you know, uh, be used for bigger impact, but yeah. Um, and then I think in, just in terms of like, just data science, what I really love about that is, uh, it's really, it's really like being a like a music producer. It, it almost uh, reminds me of like how you might create a beat yeah. where you're, you're piecing together all these different, you know, uh, instruments and notes and things of that nature, building a, a machine learning algorithm is the same thing where you're just taking like these different variables, and you're piecing it together until it predicts the right answer that you wanted to predict. And so I use, I like, I like to think in analogies um, just because I think, you know, when learning these quote-unquote complex topics, you know, smart people like to make them more complicated than they are. Yeah. When, you know, if you break them down, they actually make a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. We do that a lot.
1: Um, so you graduated, how old were you when you graduated college, 22? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what does life look like 22 to 27?
0: Yeah, it was like, so yeah, after I... Phew, Boy, life was interesting. So that, one of the things I didn't hit on was, um, so just kind of that, that, that senior year, man, um, woo, life, life had hit me. So I remember that February, um, just kind of going into that, uh, uh, wrapping up uh, graduation and things of that nature, I actually ended up losing my job. And so the hotel had actually fired me at that time and I was like, cool, I got enough money. I knew I had enough money to pay rent all the way up to April yeah and i i graduated in may and i was like okay do i want to go get another job or whatever thinking of trade-offs and it was like no don't spend your time going to get like you know one of these you know jobs spend it on like actually trying to get into like you know tech in silicon valley and things of that nature and so i ended up doing that i actually you know miscalculating was short so i was actually homeless the last um the last two months so april and may i was actually homeless but the thing about it was um It just it it taught me how to face reality. And what I meant by that was I had to be very honest with myself. I knew I had this car. I knew I attended the University of Kansas where, you know, I had access 24 to 7 access to the library. They had nap pods and things of that nature. I could go take a shower over at, you know, uh, uh, you know, the gym or whatever. And so it was just hustling literally for two months out of my car. I had my clothes. I'll you know, I'll go take the test when I need to show up humbly. I I humbly did that. And so I ended up stumbling uh, across the opportunity um, to work in product in uh, LA for an LA startup, and I was very excited about that. And you know, literally the day before graduation, I was actually in in, in a really bad car car accident where the car flipped, rolled down the hill, all of that, and uh, it was it, it it was really crazy. Just because I remember when I opened my eyes as the car uh, you know was turning, um, finished turning. Uh, I just remember thinking like dang when I open my eyes I hope I don't see something that I don't want to see because I was yeah. with my roommates and things of that nature and as soon as I opened my eyes my phone was there right in front of my face and it uh, notification came through it was my mom and she said I just I just got here and so in my mind it was like there's no way I'm not getting out of this car yeah like she just got here she's seeing me walk that stage and so like i ended up kicking out the windows of that car ended up you know helping my roommates get out luckily the grace of god and i mean i got some angels watching over me i there was not a scratch or anything on me um a few other people that had like broken bones and things of that nature but like i was good and i ended up walking the stage the next day and then a few days after that i ended up moving to la um, and that was just a very transformative experience just because like i said. The company that i was working for was in the early idea stages they were still trying to you know find quote unquote what we like to say product market fit yeah and so it was it was it was dope just kind of you know being being this young kid i worked with the c-level that's it so i got to see how the ceo of this tech startup was thinking i got to see how the cto was thinking i got to see how they thought about hiring people and things of that nature um and then furthermore like just from some of the people that i was running around with i also had the opportunity to to do things on the side so me and one of my good friends uh at the time we were actually starting a sports a digital sports media marketing firm and so we were working with folks like baron davis steph curry things of that nature um where we were literally helping them with like their media deals etc and it was just like very eye-opening because once again i'm i'm actually i'm actually doing this like and and so that was just pretty cool experience and so uh, that ended up taking me to Atlanta, um, just because the company asked me to move to Atlanta to um, to help, you know, open up the Atlanta office and get the team up and running. So I ended up doing there, going there. I ended up staying for almost a year, and then after that, uh, I had an opportunity out in San Francisco. Um, with the pay over time company, Affirm, So I ended up moving out there. Um, I was doing some sales engineering kind of work out there. Um, and it was just a very eye, eye opening uh, uh, opportunity just because to build the kind of business that they they've built, it takes a very specialized kind of knowledge. And not everybody has that has that information to one like build such a complex like credit product but then two has the network to literally just walk into you know a bank and say like hey i need i need billion dollar credit line you know because i'm starting this company and it was just very intriguing on how they went about doing business and i'll never forget um just some of the conversations that i had with different people on our team but also specifically like the ceo max lefkin and the thing about max is he was the co-founder of paypal And so I was just asking, picking his brain, asking him questions on how he thought about managing, how he thought about like, you know, ideas and like iterating over time and things of that. It was just very eye opening because you could tell he had the cheat codes. And so he was just super duper humble um, uh, about that experience. So fast forward, the pandemic comes around. So now we're working at home. And how old are you now? So yeah, at that time, at that time I was actually 25. Okay. Yeah, so I'm 25 at that time. and so now we're where the pandemic is happening. I'm actually living in the Bay Area, seeing everything kind of go down. Um, a firm was actually, it was very interesting because I was uh, helping, I, I, I was leading um, strategic fashion partnerships. So I was working with like your Gucci's, um, your Dior's, all your big luxury brands on like, you know, helping them understand like their e commerce st- stack and like how a firm could fit into that and things of that nature and uh fashion was just getting hit because ain't nobody buying no clothes in in lockdown um and so it was just very uh a great learning experience to see how a company navigates when the markets are down Um, and then on top of that i'm like man i might potentially lose my job because layoffs are a real thing when markets are down and companies are losing their valuation i'm like i gotta do something so the entrepreneur in me was just already starting to think of like different ideas um and, and at that time uh me and my roommate we ended up stumbling we were on the app uh, clubhouse at the time yep and there was uh there was an issue that ended up happening on that app where uh a group of black women or whatever they somebody had said some racist things but they had brought it up to the ceo or whatever um and during the town hall he just basically told him we built this app so you can vote with your feet meaning like if you got a problem you can leave and literally that that day i built a website in like 20 minutes um my my roommate ended up getting on like clubhouse stage saying like hey we're building the cookout and uh literally i had like we had like 300 people sign up that night and then over the course of the next few weeks like literally thousands up to hundreds of thousands of people were like signing up for like this cookout and it was like we, did, we just put a website up, you know what I mean? We didn't know what it was going to become, but people started telling this story of what the cookout could become and things of that nature to where, like, we had Diddy talking about it. We had Master P. We had Charlamagne the God. Like, everybody across culture was just talking about it. And so fast forward to now January 2021, a firm is actually getting ready to IPO. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to cash out and I'm going to leave. Um, and I'll never forget, uh, I called my manager at the time to tell her that i was getting ready to leave because we, we we need to go build this thing there was like demand for it um and as soon as i got on the phone she said Brian, whatever you're you're about to tell me god wanted me to tell you like go do it and i was like well i'm telling you that i'm quitting today and she was like cool and then over the course of the next few weeks, when we went on to raise uh, venture capital, um, Twitter was an investor, uh, is an investor in my company, um, Mac Ventures as well.
1: And then what's the name of?
0: Yeah, so we ended up having to change the company from from the cookout at the top, cause of trademark stuff, but uh, the company today uh, is 7th F. And so uh, we, we're a creator platform that essentially does 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 three things we help creators centralize their brand we help them you know deepen their uh, relationships with their with their followers through actually building a community that they own and then the third thing as well is uh we help creators actually sell things just because what we the, the the problems that we're looking to really solve so are you like a
1: marketing company
0: nah so um i wouldn't i wouldn't say that we're yeah i wouldn't say that we're a marketing company I would, I would say we're more of like a, a creator toolkit. So like how Shopify uh, provides all these tools for you to quickly, you know, set up your e-commerce business. We believe, you know, the future is actually going to be very decentralized and, 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 and individual like based where you're starting to see a lot of these big kind of institutions be picked apart. And, you know, think about it which which, what you have here is a podcast yeah right like there used to be big radio stations and things of that nature yeah this is the future and you know creators that we've just one of the things that we've learned is creators need tools so we're in the business of building those tools for creators to be able to operationalize themselves as businesses and the tools
1: are they specifically correspond with just any area or avenue
0: of an individual's company yeah 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 so like it doesn't matter what type of creator you are like it can you you can create a podcast, you can be somebody that just creates TikToks, all the way to like you may just be somebody who likes to travel and you have these itineraries. And then how would they buy
1: service from your company?
0: Yeah, so it's it's really simple. So literally you just go to our website, pull up on 7th.com. Um the first thing is you uh, just by creating an account, you get a link in bio. And so one of the things that we realized is, you know, a lot of people have an Instagram. TikTok or all these different things, they need to be able to centralize their digital presence. And so we help you do that. The third thing, the, the second thing is, you know, these platforms like uh, Instagram and things that they allow you to talk at your followers, but not actually build relationships. And so we actually built our own community platform where a lot of our users currently right now say it's better than discord, and we truly be- believe that it is. Um, and then the third thing, what's is better than discord, our community platform.
1: And and Discord is like a group me?
0: Yeah, so dis- Discord is a voice, uh, is, is, is a group chat app. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty similar to like group me. Um, I would say like Telegram. Anything. So you guys have an app that's like yeah, a community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go download an app store and everything.
1: All right, let's look at it in the app store.
0: Yeah, pull it up, man. 7th Ave.
1: I'm over here lost, and somehow I'm, I'm having like a narcolepsy episode as well. I'm like, <laughs> sitting here like, I think I'm about to die. I don't know if the lights are about to give me a fucking seizure or something, dude, but I'm like, <laughs> sitting here like, what? I don't know if I'm falling asleep or I'm high or like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> nah, the lights are kind of a little bright. And, and it's like coming into the side and I got that light oh, there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we forgot to put the lights on in the back. Oh, yeah. I can feel the just a little bit. Like just make sure we don't blind him. Does it still look good? That might be worse. I don't know. Maybe my eyes have adjusted. That nah, may, that's I'm a little better. Yeah, Doesn't I'm that good. Feel a little better. Yeah, I'm good. Shit, dude, this shit got my brain fried. It took 18 minutes for me to pull up Seventh Ave just in the app store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. All right, Seventh Avenue, right there. Seventh Ave, below? right there, man.
0: So, like, literally, you just download that. You get in the app. We, uh, we like to say it's a. So di- you
1: guys create like digital shit for a company. Like, as in, if I'm if I called up and I I'm essentially. I don't even know if I could call me a creator. This is a franchise, but essentially, I'm creating my own insurance business. Correct. With it being a franchise, but what would what, what, I be like? Hey, look, here's everything I do for my business. I sell, I recruit, and I train, and develop. You know, there's like four pillars, mm-hmm. if not three. I like to break it down to three. I think it's leadership, selling, and recruiting in our business. Mm-hmm. What different things should I minimize, or what different things should I create to, like, like how
0: would you know the solution to? my business yeah 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 so so when it comes to like i wouldn't say our product is probably geared towards um unless 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 you were actually thinking of this in terms of like a content creator kind of business yep um but kind of what we would do is depending on like the the level of service we can help you you know use seventh ave to actually maximize you know incremental like what we like to say is incremental revenue for your business and also incremental like brand awareness and so that's why companies come and like you know creators come come and use us
1: because you're bringing you said brand awareness yeah 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 so, and then
0: what what so what two things did you just say you said brand awareness so brand awareness incremental brand awareness and then also incremental revenue okay yeah so essentially essentially just what that means is we're helping drive you know additional revenue to your company um on top of that uh on top of that you know like eyeballs and things of that nature yep and so the way we do that is like I said, we got those three pillars. It's the it's the Lincoln Bio. It's the now, community. do you
1: guys have people that can create apps?
0: Oh yeah, I got a whole team.
1: Okay, geez, might have to connect you with. Yeah, I got I got a whole team. I'm filling out this app, this seventh half also yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. Aiden, can can we change my TikTok name to match my Instagram name? Remember we were talking about that? People were telling us we should do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I have a Twitter username. I don't know who's fighting up there either. <laughs> yeah. Select your cribs. Cribs are safe spaces that feel like home for people. With yeah, interests. so cri-
0: cribs are pretty similar, you think, uh, like, similar like Facebook groups, um, any other kind of, like, you know, subreddits, things of that. It's a community of people.
1: Yeah, these are hard. <laughs> Who comes up with these cribs?
0: It's it's creators. It's, okay. diff- it's different creators. So say for example if you wanted to have one for your podcast, right? Like you could literally just create a crib.
1: So is there, like private cribs. Like what if I wanted to Yeah, do yeah, like, yeah. So Like I can, use GroupMe to communicate with my company.
0: Yeah, so would this
1: be more effective?
0: Yeah, so you you can have a private literally so we have uh right now so we have uh we have public cribs. Um so that that would mean anybody would be able to kind of join it or whatever. We have secret cribs where like nobody knows it really exists unless you send them the link you know what i mean yeah and then the other the other type of crib that is getting ready to come is going to be token gated which just means you know we'll we'll be able to have you connect like your crypto wallet things of that nature and if y'all have the same nft things of that y'all be able to get into the crib and so yeah
1: so i guess i need to understand this a little more This is dope though. So wait. Now how many how long is how long has Seventh Ave been around then?
0: Yeah, so we we spent Yeah, so we spent all of twenty twenty one um building the product. Okay. Um and then we rolled out the product at the top of this year.
1: Okay, so you guys are six months in? Yeah. Wow, you guys have had a lot of progress.
0: Yeah. But you've been working on it. Yeah, it it, it's been working on it. It, yeah we've been working on it for for last year was a lot of just work like I said working on the product but we also just had some hiccups around um, did you do fundraising last year as well or yeah. have you done yeah so we did fundraising last year and then we actually uh, are in the process of fundraising right now wrapping up a four million dollar round
1: for and then what what will those investments go back into
0: yeah so those investments are going to continue one. Um, just kind of with where the market is right now, a lot of, uh, investors are actually recommending that, you know, you have anywhere from two to two and a half years worth of capital put up just because valuations are going to uh, go down and just because basically the way the game works is since the stock market is going to go down that's that's impacting lps lps are the ones who give money to venture capitalists so since lps have less money venture capitalists are going to have less what's money. an lp lp is a limited partner so you can think of these as like your wealthy individuals endowment funds things things of they that have name. the liquid funds correct so they're the ones who invest in venture capitalists okay and so venture capitalists since they have less money from the lps they're going to have less money to put in the startups. Okay. And so what that's going to do is it's one going to drive down, you know, valuations, but it's also going to make it really hard for companies to raise money when, you know, during, during a bear market. Yeah. And so that's why we're currently fundraising a, again right now to make sure we have a, a, enough capital, hopefully, you know, to survive that um, and continue to build out our products. But also like we are thinking, you know, with this mindset of like, okay, we got to, they like to say it's Raymond profitable so in tech they understand like um most of the time where you're building these tech companies you 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 sacrifice profits early on for growth just because oh absolutely exactly so so right now what we're doing is that's where the whole e-commerce portion of this is will come in is helping creators actually be able to sell things we'll be making our money off the e-commerce portion so same way like shopify etc so what's the five-year vision oh the five so what's the five-year vision yeah man so if I'm if if I'm gonna keep it a stack with you this is going to same way um today we have to rely on public utilities um such as electric water to you know for our basic needs um 7th Ave will be considered a utility for for creators like we when we look at you know the the just what is happening right now to drive the creator economy the creator economy is around 200 million people that's just creating content and the way we like to break it down is there's four levels to it so the first level is hobbyists so that's that's like 99 percent of people they're just doing it for a hobby then there's a subset of that you know which are level two They're doing this full-time, making a wage off of just creating content and things of that nature. And then level three and above is more of like your superstars, so like your Drewskis, you know, Rihannas, things of that nature. What we're focused on is there's a ton of people right now just because they're either resigning or they're being laid off, things of that nature. 54% of Gen Z wants to become an influencer. There's a huge portion of content creators that want to go from just doing this as a hobby to actually being able to make a livable wage off of this. Right now, they don't have the tools. And so five years from now, seventh Ave will be an essential utility for creators to be able to do that and basically live on their terms. And so our whole thing is use seventh Ave to get paid to be yourself.
1: So how much how, how much sales or revenue have you guys generated in your first
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six so months, right? Yeah. So um we actually we actually uh so we, we haven't generated any revenue right now um we haven't rolled out uh, our e-commerce uh, product yet. Okay. So our e-commerce product is actually going to be rolled out um, here in July, July, August. And then, so how many investors do you guys have then? Yeah, so, um, so like I said, we have Twitter, we have Mac Ventures, um, we have um, Backstage Capital, um, gang Jewels. Now, how would somebody get a hold of, like, some of these bigger companies like Twitter to invest into a... Relationships. okay. Yeah, you got it, 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 a lot of it is just relationships. And so just go to answer um go back to answer the first question. Yeah, we probably have over 100 or so individuals that have invested in the company. Wow. But yeah, a lot of it just comes from relationships. And then
1: and so I guess back into the 5-year vision, what's more of like your personal 5-year vision? my personal like where fight. are you living are you getting married like what's oh what's yeah, yeah,
0: yeah 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 man and cars, so what, what's it that
1: little 5 10 year <laughs>
0: yeah so yeah the five 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 year vision man uh if I'm gonna keep it a stack with you so I see myself you know still being heavenly heavily evolved in 7th Ave and at this point um hopefully 7th Ave is a global company Uh, just because there's a huge opportunity there with that being said and understanding how the game of startups work. um, I do plan on with each subsequent round, you know, selling a piece of my equity so I can de-risk, you know, this investment of time. And so, you know, within the next five years, I will be, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty wealthy in terms of making like having millions of dollars and hopefully being on paper, you know, worth billions, depending on the valuation and thinking of that. Um, And then in terms of, you know, I am married uh I'll, I'll have a beautiful wife what five years from now yeah so we'll probably be starting to think about kids or kids yeah. around that time just because yeah i gotta hustle right now um it, it, that's just kind of where my mindset is um but i do want to be in a position where kind of what i have writ- written down on paper is starting to think about like giving back like i wanna i wanna i want to really be able one of the big visions that i have and I, me and my cousins used to talk about this all the time is going back to Wichita and just buying up a lot of property in the neighborhood that we grew up and then being able to, you know, use that to create different programs takes, you know, one, make it easier for people to live. But then two, by being involved in that program, being able to help them travel and see the world just as I did because, you know, expanded my view. And so like, I know I need money to be able to do that. Yeah. That's why I'm hustling so hard right now.
1: Do you have any hobbies or any things that you do to help
0: have like a mental release? Yeah. i I uh, man, I would say running. So I run I run about three miles every day. Yeah. Um, so I enjoy that. And then I would also say uh, biking when I can bike. And then additionally, I just read a lot. Yeah. I, I'm an information What's your top three favorite books. Yeah. So top three favorite books. I would say um, zero to one by Peter Thiel. Yeah, I was actually Just rereading that, that one actually ago. on the way up here. Yes, um, and then uh, another book that I really enjoy is uh, Psychology of Money. Um, that's a that's a really good book. And then um, is that by like Dale Earnhardt or something? Nah, it, uh, I can't remember the, the lady's name who wrote or the gentleman's name that wrote it. Um, but it's a really good book. It's a really good book. And then. The other book that I would say um, that I've really enjoyed is um, I think it's called like notes, uh, lecture notes um, from Richard Feynman. But yeah. Richard Feynman was like, you know, this physicist or whatever. Um, and he just had this weird way of thinking and was just a really cool, like smart guy. And so who's your favorite entrepreneur or my, business
1: owner, or CEO?
0: Yeah, my favorite uh, entrepreneur, business owner. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I mean, it's just who who've I've experienced but I'm going to have to say Max Lefkin, man um and 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 the reason why is dude is dude is super strategic well, uh,
1: who is this again
0: yeah so Max Lefkin, this, this is the thing so when people when people think of PayPal they usually only think of Elon Musk yeah but Max Lefkin was the founder of of PayPal it was him and Peter Till who actually created PayPal together wow and like PayPal was even stemmed from an earlier idea that max had over uh over in college when he went to u of i yeah and so and so yeah he he's the reason why he's my favorite ceo is like just having worked with him he has a lot of humility what company worked with now yeah so he's still with a firm he's still building it out like he's been the ceo for the past 10 years now, didn't
1: you do some internships or
0: yeah yeah so i actually worked there okay yeah. and you were there for a year two years yeah i was there for a year and a half and did you like that and that was in the Bay, but before you were in LA. Yeah. And in LA, what company were you with? Yeah, I was. I was with Blavity, and so I was working for. for uh, she's actually a pretty big entrepreneur as well. Her name is Morgan Debon.
1: Okay. And wh- which out of those
0: two did you like the most? Or just Max different experiences. Okay. Ma- that two different experiences. Like yes. Morgan, Mor- Morgan is a, a a great entrepreneur as well. Um, totally different styles. I think the thing that I like about Max is like he's he's seen it and he's done it. And so even seeing like, you know, when the pandemic was happening, right? And like how how everything in the market was happening with like after and Klarna. After paying Klarna was spending a lot of money. And yeah. he was like, from a firm standpoint, we're not gonna spend no money right now. Yeah. And I remember everybody in the company was like, oh, we're gonna lose deals, et cetera. And, you know, he was like, but watch, the market's gonna dry up and they're not gonna have no money. And now that, and because they ain't got no money, they won't be able to win no deals. And a firm's going to be able to come in and swoop all this up. Yeah. And literally, like six months later, that's exactly what ended up happening. A firm had a firm had capital. A firm was able to go get these big deals, et cetera, et cetera, and take up market share. And so it was just like, damn, he he's, he's seen this before. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he he's once again, he's he's a very humane leader. Like, to to there's there, yeah, like when you're making those decisions to like one have to like you're gonna have to lay off a good portion of your team that's not a hard hard that's not an easy decision to make and that's all like i remember during that time when we were in the valley that's all that was happening Lyft, twitter etc cetera, etc cetera. but what if what, what he said was he he gave the challenge he was like yeah we can go we can lay off people but we can also go make more money which yeah. one do we want to go do and it just inspired the team to go want to make more money so everybody could keep their job and he was just a hu- he was just a very humane leader uh in terms of how he led Now, the what company. all
1: does their company do
0: uh, a firm yeah yeah so a firm does pay over time so uh basically they help split your payments uh into three six twelve months um you know uh, like, pay- a, like a credit yeah 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 so th- they're actually building the future of digital banking it's gonna it's gonna be it's genius because to build the future of digital banking like all banks all banks are, are like credit pipelines. That's how they make most of their yeah. money. So they started with the credit pipeline. Now they just uh, layered on on top of that, the savings account. So you can actually have a, a savings account uh, with a firm. If you get their app, you actually can shop right there, but they're building this super app like just for your money. So if you wanna shop, cool, you can use it right there. If you wanna save, cool. If you wanna invest in crypto, cool. If you wanna you know be able to pay uh, pay, pay split your payments, cool. Like it's actually a really genius idea.
1: So, now, do you still want to be living? Uh, I know you plan on live, moving to Chicago. Do you, so, do
0: you foresee yourself being here for five years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I, I, I see, see myself being here. Winters, too? Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah? You don't mind the winter? I, would enjoy, I enjoy it, man. I'm from Kansas. So, you still, where do you run in the winter? Uh, Literally, so. Um, Outside? Yeah. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We. we but also, me, the thing me and my girl, we've talked about, because she's originally from the Bay Area as well as. You know, we want to – it's this whole dream of, you know, having five ha- homes across the world. Yeah. You know, hopefully we're in a position to be able to do
1: that. Yeah, so places all over. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So
1: what about food? Big foodie at all? Oh, man, I'm a huge foodie, man. Any
0: favorite restaurants or food? delicious What is it? Valore. Where's that? It's uh, Miami? literally – no, it's in, it's in River North, man. Oh, I'm okay. not going to lie to you. It's, it's a little it, – it gives you a little mafia vibes, man. You walk in there, you got all the Italian people, man, in yeah. their suits. I'm going to look it up it's, real quick. it's beautiful, bro. But You ever look, eating there, Aiden? No. Valore? Best Italian food in Chicago. How do we spell it? V-A-L-O-R-E. Valore. Valore.
1: Valore Italian restaurant, girl. Mm-hmm. That one says Texas. Let's see you. Valore Chicago.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it V-O-L-A-R-E? It might be. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. We literally just go in there, and we just tell the way, bring us whatever you want, and they always do. Does that look like it? Let's see. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going
1: to have to check this place out. Yeah. What's your girl do again?
0: Yeah, so she actually uh, works in data science over at Google.
1: Ah, okay. That's dope
0: yeah put this here places to eat
1: food yeah now do you have like a are you sweet tooth at all you have a favorite favorite
0: dish or anything nah man they actually had some uh, uh what was it like some some black squid ink uh spaghetti that sounds fire it was fire it was fire. It had a good taste of, like, just spice. And then yeah. I don't know what, uh, what 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 they had at it for, like, there was a little bit of sweetness, but it was really good.
1: Now, what about, like, any movies, TV shows? Anything, like, a top two, top three, favorite, all time?
0: Oh, man, movies, TV shows. Man, so I'm a, I'm a big, I love power.
1: Yeah? I love power. The though. show Power, right? Yeah. I, I have a kid that works for me that looks exactly like Tariq. <laughs> I swear to God.
0: Yeah. I'm going to show you this, kid. I love I love that show. Um, another show that I would say actually a, actually my Facetime one. it just makes me laugh. Uh, Gracie and Frankie man on Netflix man I, it, it's, uh, I don't know what that is oh, it any Brad. good? <laughs> it's, it's fire. It's fire. And then um, see I ain't gonna lie I've been I've been watching a lot of the a lot of the different. Uh, what up, boy? Hey, what up? I'm trying to show somebody uh, what you look like. He said you look like Tyreke. 100. What up, man? Don't he look like Tariq? I can see. <laughs> yeah, what's going on, bro? No much, man. How you living? Man, good, 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 man. Just ripping and running, man. That's it. Always, man.
1: He's always. blown it up in the uh, insurance industry. We reached out probably a year ago. He was uh, really big in uh, 4X. Mm. Really, really big in 4X. And uh, we just built a genuine relationship, and now we're working together in the insurance industry, and he's... Popping off, blowing up. I just wanted to show them what you look like. Yeah, I like your, uh, your bald uh, fade up there. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> All right, Doc. <Victor. laughs> <laughs> All right, please. Um. So where were we? We were talking about desserts, movies. Yeah. You were saying Gracie and Frankie. Is that a show? Yeah, it's What a the show. hell is that about?
0: Brass. <laughs> you know Have Missy. you seen it? You know Miss Fizzle? I think her name was Miss Fizzle from Magic School Bus.
1: I remember Magic School Bus, but yeah. I don't know. If so I the lady, Ms. The, the teacher lady. Okay, is that the, the yeah yeah? So the nerdy she's one. Of the, she's
0: one of the main characters. So it's it's two, it's it's two older ladies. Is it a cartoon? Nah, it ain't, it ain't cartoon. Okay, uh, but it's two ladies. They used to be married or uh, whatever. They turn out. It turns out that their husbands have been having an affair together for four years. So and the so, ladies are gay. No, the la- no the
1: husbands the husbands are gay yeah and okay and it turns out they have been gay for 40 and they didn't know yeah and they but the late they- weren't the ladies hooking up together too nah Nah. they just now they're starting to become friends they're becoming friends yeah but their husbands love each
0: other yeah and they actually ended up the husbands actually ended up divorcing the wives and getting Get married. that's hilarious it's, it, it, it's, it's just very funny yeah but it's also funny because it's like and they all stay like in communication yeah that's hilarious, and it, it like literally it's it's the lady with the magic school bus voice, yeah, and it's this is a grown up show, and it's like, what? Yeah, what's kid? going on? Yeah, it's it's hilarious. That's hilarious. I would say that, and then um, I'm not gonna lie, I've been I've been I've been watching these, uh, I guess you would call them like true crime uh tv shows and shit does your man. girl make you watch those or you want to watch no nah, I'll, I'll i'll watch them because i'm all, i'm always curious about psychology yeah so like one of like the thing about it was like um growing up in wichita as well was uh there was actually a famous serial killer from wichita his name um his name was dennis Rader, but his 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 his, his name his his name was uh btk okay or whatever and he he basically um was on the loose and did a lot of crazy stuff from like the 1970s all the way up until he caught, got caught in like the late 2000s and uh the reason why I'm also fascinated is because him and my dad uh shared a uh sale together okay and so my dad would tell me about these stories and all this but it was always this dude he was a he he was he he, he was big in the church you would have never knew that this dude, dude did him it. up he worked at he worked at a university or whatever literally type in btk Wichita, Kansas. Dennis Rader.
1: Dennis Raider. Dennis Lynn Rader is an American serial killer known as BTK, the BTK Strangler, or the BTK Killer between 74 and 91. Rader killed 10 people in Wichita and Park City, Kansas, and sent taunting letters to police and newspapers describing the details of his
0: crimes. Yeah. He got caught because he wanted to get caught. But his thing was pretty similar to, like, John Wayne Gacy, where literally he had family, all that stuff, and then when they finally went to his house or whatever... How do you have a wife the whole time? He had a wife the whole time. And they had a whole shed in the back of the house that she never went into because he wouldn't let her. And that's where he would keep, like, stuff of his victim. Like, it was crazy.
1: So, what, he would take pieces of his victims? Yeah. Like, any
0: specific pieces? It was, nah, he, it wasn't anything specific. Just random, just yeah. as, like, a memory. To remember,
1: yeah. Well, did he ever, like, confess or say a reason why or,
0: like? Outside of that, he did it. And he was yeah it, it was a, just it was just that urge he just had that did urge did he get the death sentence no nah, they don't, uh uh when he when he was actually found guilty, Kansas had just ended the death penalty Wow, yeah, so he's just locked up um with multiple life sentences
1: Wow that's nuts mm-hmm now what's the hardest adversity you've had to overcome in your entire life as we wrap up the hardest adversity
0: man I I, honestly it's just gonna it's 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 those last few months like I was saying college man where I was homeless yeah and literally literally that was hard because it was I could have quit I could have had a lot of ego and been like you know people are gonna look at me a certain way because I'm the guy you know that can't even go back to his apartment no more because I can't pay rent yeah you know what I mean and on top of that when I first uh, moved out to LA I used I had 100 bucks to my name and um, actually, I had a few hundred bucks, but I, it took me a few hundred bucks to fly to LA. And so by the time I got to LA, uh, I only had like a hundred or so bucks. And I ended up, my mom ended up helping me get a, a, a Airbnb. Like I, I stayed in a hostel, literally in Koreatown, man, in the back with like 12 people. There were, there, there were all these bunk beds or whatever. And what the, it was a very humbling experience because all those people that were staying there um just kind of talking to them and hearing their stories they either used to be like producers and things of that nature out there in LA some of them even have been doctors but they just fell fell on like hard times and you know now this was just alive living hostel to hostel but I ended up staying in that hostel you know for a month just because I didn't get my first paycheck you know for for a month or whatever and it was just very intriguing because I had to walk to work every morning four miles um I would walk four miles back and during that time, like there were so many times where I just wanted to quit because I'm like, I, I, I didn't I didn't have much clothing. Literally, it, me, me and some of my coworkers, workers uh, old co-workers, we joke about they're like, Brian, you used to wear them baggy ass black pants all the time, man. Like, literally, I got, I got me like two pair of black pants from Walmart and I would just wear the same thing. We had the shirts and it was just it was it was it was so it felt so humiliating. But it was one of those things where I learned a lot about ego. And if you're able to set aside ego and look outside of that and just see the reality, you're yeah. able to make a lot a lot of progress. fast. Absolutely, ego kills. Correct, Ed, edging God out. Correct. I've heard you say uh, some like
1: religious or spiritual terms. Did you are you a believer? Did you go to church? Or? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, nah. I like so I, I I don't I don't go to church. I would say yeah, I don't go to church, but yeah, I, I listen to church. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I am. It's like so, I and I also I'm pretty open minded. I, I believe that like just just my perspective. That, like, if we say God created everything, that means, like, he literally created everything. So yeah. be open-minded to, like, God everything. creating science. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, literally, I, like, whatever resonates with me, that's what I gravitate towards. Like, a lot of my friends uh, are also, like, you know, Muslim and things of that nature. Yeah. And so, like, like the, the... the I
1: love learning about it all.
0: Exactly. Like, the Quran and all that. I love learning about it. It's fascinating. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, man. So, uh, idea. So, venture capitalism and raising funds. Yeah not necessary to my overall knowledge for for myself but I was curious I was putting together I just want to run this idea by you I was putting together like still pitching it as if I'm seeking out venture capitalists and like investors and certain things like that putting together like a pitch and more so trying to structure it towards their investment being in direct correspondence with time in their network because for me to like exponentially grow my business would be to rapidly bring in a lot, a lot more people. Yeah. That makes yeah. Sense. And I figure, like what better way to do that than to essentially pitch somebody on getting their insurance license and then bringing in a significant amount of people investing X amount of time weekly. And we train and teach those people how to sell insurance. And I show them a projection of how much money they could make over time with doing almost minimal work, but aside from investing into their network. So say like hypothetically you knew a thousand people. Mm-hmm. Would it make sense just, Follow along with me, would it make sense for you to get your insurance license? And if I told you on an average, 10% make it in the insurance industry mm-hmm. so, thousand of them we get them interested, hundred of them make it, and the average person will sell two families a week it's about two hundred thousand dollars of insurance sales through the company contracts that our company offers. You could make anywhere from 20 to 40,000 a week. I just don't know how long it would take on average. Let's say that took 47 years, plus you would build residual income. So not only could you make an extra five hundred thousand to a million dollars a year, but you would build passively an extra two or three grand a month Mm -hmm. for the existence of just your network and getting them to sell insurance. That's kind of my idea I was trying to put together because I went to this event and you guys are I'm listening to all you guys talking about all this money you've raised and I'm like, what could I do? Because I don't need the money, but I would need I
0: need people, I need more bodies. So two things, like. The first, the first thing that you said that I feel a lot of investors probably would gravitate towards is this idea of a network. So most of the top tech, tech, uh, technologies are built around networks. IG, IG is not valuable if there's not a network of people on it. Yeah. Twitter, Facebook, not valuable. Google, Google is not valuable if there's not a network of websites. Yeah. And so network businesses are the most valuable internet businesses. Um, so that's one of the the big things I think the other thing that you would want to figure out is how do you eliminate how do you how do you how do you build something that eliminates you from having to do all the outreach and like you know you make this essentially into like a self-serving model just because one of the ways that you would probably want to pitch this to investors is they like hearing about like how does this make you know things more efficient how does it save people time you know and just thinking around like what you said let's say a person has a thousand friends 10% so 100 of them you know decide to go get their license can you shorten that process can you make it less expensive for can you make it you know quicker for them to get on ramped and you know start to you know develop these you know uh, residual incomes and things of that nature but more importantly can you do all that using software because the whole the whole thing is with them is you want to build a network business so you can capture more of the market and then on top of that you want to use technology because the marginal cost of writing code is zero literally you write the code once and I can put it anywhere on anyone's phone or on the internet. And so it's about, it's about cost. And so that's how they, they, they would think of it. And so that's how I would encourage it. What about to just investors
1: in general and just putting an emphasis on the investor, making yeah. the return on investment and correspondence with who
0: they know. Yeah. So yeah, I do yeah, I'm, 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 only, I'm going to be humble here. I only know about like tech. How, yeah. Cause you're tech. building in tech. So it's yeah. almost like a stupid question. Yeah, how tech investors think, but that's that's how tech investors think. They're yeah. always they're thinking with the idea of like, yeah, can this company generate nine to ten figures? Yeah.
1: Dope, dude. Anything you want to shout out? Any companies outside of Seventh Ave, your company, any people, anything you want to talk about?
0: Yeah, man. So, um, some people that I would just kind of shout out, uh, just just you know, for having an impact, uh, you know, just on me huge shout out just to Landon. Landon was the one who connected us, man. Yeah. And like, it was like, I might actually end up giving a huge shout out um, to, uh, he's actually one of the advisors to our company. His name, his name is Warren Jones, but um, he was the one uh, who hosted the event where I ended up meeting Landon and, you know, things of that nature out in uh, Miami. Miami. Yeah. And so I want to give a shout out to them. I would also give a huge shout out uh, just uh, to, I'm, I'm I'm a part of this founder chat group and it's, literally a group of us um Rodney, dre josh david uh Dalla, victor we all met when you know we all just had got to la with this dream out of college of like hey we're gonna make it in tech all tech founders yeah and all of us have raised over millions of dollars wow and so yeah i i definitely want to give a shout out because it wouldn't it wouldn't have been possible without that like just having that network of people and being able to learn and then on top of that um yeah just just my support system so my girl is like really big like she supports me a lot challenges me a lot she was actually just challenged me earlier today but you know she's also in the weeds weeds with me like if i you know go to a conference or something of that nature and she comes with me she's selling just as good as me yeah like you know what i mean and so i'm I'm extremely grateful for that who's the coolest person you've met as we and i'm just thinking of that the coolest person i have met i'm not gonna lie i'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to say baron davis Baron Davis. Yeah, Baron Davis is by far one of the coolest people. He's Yeah, athlete. Yeah. Didn't he have the Baron Nines? Yeah. So he he played for the uh, he played for the Golden State Warriors point guard. Yeah. yeah. He was was he kind of cold? Was he, he was cold? But uh, so me and Baron we ended up meeting like when I he was one of the guys I ended up meeting early on in L.A. Wow. Um, but since you know leaving uh, uh, you know stopping 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 playing basketball, he's been getting heavily involved in tech and like he's actually a huge uh, not only tech investor but also crypto investor and things of that nature but the dude is smart i'll never forget the first day that i met him we pulled up to his crib um and he was getting ready to you know finish a uh seven-figure deal with bloomberg and you know he went through the whole business strategy you know as if it was just like you know a whiteboard session and it was a a pick and roll on on the playboard and it was just like wow this dude thinks differently and so yeah. it just it just changed my whole perspective because you know just kind of being an athlete and being around the other ones i have been around I was like most athletes don't think that way yeah so the fact that like he actually educated himself and he was doing the work it was impressive that's insane that's nuts
1: well another episode in aiden how how long did we rock this one out did we get an hour in About an hour twenty. good
0: this one was good man
1: solid awesome bro well you'll be here in us because this will drop in a couple weeks couple couple weeks month two months at the most nah this was good appreciate you big dog yeah man this was good bro damn